As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Slam and Jam here on The Athletic NBA Show. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Hey, go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for a discounted rate. Lots of great stuff on The Athletic, as always. Uh, a really good piece about LeBron recently and kind of his ties to the, the Lakers and Warriors and Knicks. It's um, authored by Jovan Buha and Sam Amick and Anthony Slater. It's really, really good. Uh, you should go check that out today. With me, as always, is my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, tell me what happened in the NBA this week. Well, Andrew, it all started last Friday night in the Cowbell Kingdom, where the Kings got their second win this season over the defending champion Denver Nuggets, 135 to 106. They would beat the Nuggets again later in the week, this time in Denver, making the Kings 3-0 against the Nuggets this season. During the Friday night game, Damanis Sabonis put up a 17-17-10 triple-double, his 16th of the season, breaking a tie with none other than Nikola Jokic for most triple-doubles this season. While it may sound like things are going great in Sacramento, uh, the bad news is the Kings haven't beaten a team other than the Nuggets in the last 10 days, going 2-4 and four in that span, and as a result, they are 31-23, 8th in the West. On Saturday, Sham Sharani reported that former Brooklyn Nets Spencer Dinwiddie would be signing with the Los Angeles Lakers after we had speculated on last week's show that his very public fling with the Dallas Mavericks actually meant something, and it meant nothing, Andrew. On the court, we had a great one between the Suns and the Warriors in San Francisco. If you look at the game flow for this game, it's just two lines on top of each other for four consecutive quarters. The largest lead in the game was seven points, which happened in the first quarter. And after that, the game was within six the rest of the way. And it ended the only way it could was Steph Curry hitting a three with 0.7 seconds to go to give the Warriors a one-point lead and the win. Steph had 30 in the game, while Devin Booker led all scores with 32. It was a great win for the Warriors, but as the Athletics' Anthony Slater pointed out, prior to their win on Thursday night, which featured Klay Thompson's first game off the bench since his rookie season, the Warriors were 14-14 and at home, 12-12 and on the road, 26-26 and overall. For now, they are the 10th seed and are a game and a half back of the Lakers. On Sunday, it was a rematch of last year's Eastern Conference Final, Boston 
versus Miami. Miami was without star Jimmy Butler, which made things difficult, but in their favor, they're wearing their heat culture jerseys, the most feared jerseys in the league. <laughs> Boston led this game from two minutes left in the first quarter until the end, but the heat did make them sweat, cutting that lead to only two with less than two minutes remaining. Boston has now won six in a row and are 43 and 12 heading into the All-Star break. The Celtics are on pace for around 63 to 64 wins, which would be the most wins for a Celtics team since the 08 Big Three Celtics, who of course won the title. On Monday, we had a lot going on. First, a marquee game between the Timberwolves and the Clippers turned into a blowout in the second half, with the Wolves running away with it, 121 to 100. We're going to talk all about the Wolves later on, but spoiler, yeah. they are extremely good. Also on Monday, rookie Victor Weminyama had a triple-double with blocks against the Raptors. His full line was 27-14-5 with two steals, two threes, and ten blocks. Lordy, lordy, mom turned 40. That is wild. <laughs> also on Monday, the refs in the Knicks-Rockets game called a foul on Jalen Brunson in the final seconds that cost the Knicks game and led many people to declare it was the worst foul call they had ever seen. The refs somewhat agreed after the game, saying it should not have been called. The Knicks have filed a protest, which is probably unlikely to succeed, but would be nice for them as the Knicks have now lost four games in a row, five of their last six, as OG Ananobi continues to recover from his recent elbow injury. On Tuesday, Shaquille O'Neal had his jersey retired in Orlando after a game between the Magic and the Thunder, two of the league's up-and-coming teams. OKC took control of the game in the second half, led by all-star Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who finished with 32 points in the game after scoring only six in the first half. His teammate Jalen Williams, a.k.a. J-Dub, had a game-high 33 points and has been on an absolute tear over the last month and a half. Over his last 20 games, J-Dub is averaging 21 points, 4.3 rebounds, 5.5 assists per game, while shooting 58% from the field and 50% from three. 50, OKC 58 is, is crazy. One game, <laughs> crazy stats. OKC is one game back of Minnesota in the West at 37 and 17. On Wednesday, Woj and Ramona Shelburne reported that the Warriors made an unsuccessful bid to convince the Lakers to trade LeBron to Golden State at the deadline to pair him up with Steph Curry. There was also a report this week that at least two teams believe LeBron can be lured away from LA if they draft his son, Bronny James. Who knows what this all means, but on Wednesday night, the Lakers proved that they are more than just LeBron James. Beating the Jazz 138-122 without LeBron, Anthony Davis put up 37-15. Rui Hachimura, I haven't, haven't thought about him in a minute, scored 36 points in the game. Yeah. D'Lo had 17 assists. The Lakers have finally been stringing together some wins, winning six of their last seven, which has included wins over Boston, New York, and New Orleans. They are now 30-26, ninth in the West, two games back of the Kings. Finally, on Thursday night, it's becoming a weekly tradition to end this segment with an embarrassing, weird Bucks loss. <laughs> this one was a doozy because it was against the Memphis Grizzlies. Let me read you every player who played for the Grizzlies on Thursday. <laughs> oh, no. Only eight names. Vince Williams Jr., yeah. Santi Aldama, Zaire Williams. Okay, you're saying, okay, there's some Grizz. Uh, I know these guys. Grizz. Guys. Trey Jameson? Trey yeah. Jameson, first time. The, they me? just kept on the broadcast, call, kept calling him Jameson. Like they just they didn't wouldn't even say his full name. Like, J Jameson is doing as things if, as if we should know. Yeah, uh, Jordan Goodwin, 
Yeah. Gigi Jackson, Lamar Stevens, and Jacob Gilliard. That was the team that beat the Bucks, who had a healthy Giannis I and know. Dane. What is Milwaukee's deal? They beat Denver this week. I know. 112 to 95. What a great win. Then they lose to Miami 123 to 97. Yeah, the 97. And then they wild. lose to this Grizz team. Since Doc Rivers took over, the Bucks are 3 and 6 with the 22nd ranked offense and 15th ranked defense per cleaning the glass. They are still a very uh, uh admirable 35 and 20, yeah. third in the East, yeah. game and a half behind Cleveland for the two spot, but it feels weird. Yeah. What a week it was, Andrew. What a week indeed. Uh before we get to the our subjects that we want to talk about this week, let's do the Bet MGM line of the week brought to you by BetMGM. This is all-star Saturday night themed. Let's start with the the dunk contest, which I am uh, angry about. You're miffed and peeved. I'm miffed and peeved about this dunk contest. Uh, let's look at the lines. Mac McClung is favorite, minus 200. Jacob Toppin is plus 600. Jalen Brown, which just nobody believes that he can actually win this thing, and I really hope that he does, and I'll tell you why here in a second. Plus 425. And mm. Jaime Jaquez Jr., plus 650, who I don't know how this has gone under the radar, and I'm completely obsessed with it. Pau Gasol, in the Rising Stars draft, called him Jamie Jaquez. Just just listen here. With uh, Jamie Jaquez, or Jaquez. Call them Jamie Jaquez, and I can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop saying it, just walking around my house. I'm like vacuuming just saying jamie jacquez um you know pal spanish he, he should be sensitive to the he should be sensitive to like the mispronunciation of names because of his i just think it's amazing and i think that more people should know that that this happened we'll listen weird. to it one more time with uh jamie jacquez or jacquez i just think everyone needs to know and i feel He's like at it too. nobody's talking about it uh, I'll give it. I think Mac McClung's gonna win it again. Just a short guy doing crazy things uh, is always very exciting. And the other guys, I want Jalen Brown to win it so badly because I think maybe like if he got like more endorsement deals or something, something out of this that other other good NBA players said, oh, I could do that. Like I could do it. I want him to win so badly because this should be. NBA players only. It should be like NBA rotation players only participating in the dunk contest. And there are two. One of them's a young player, which there's always like a young player, but it's 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 Jamie Jaquez. It's Jaime Jaquez participating. And like he's an awesome player. Really good player. I think he's going to be a great player in this league. But not especially known for his not known as a high flyer, you know. It's it's a weird dunk contest. Mac McClung's probably going to win. Whatever. No, give me Toppin. Yeah, Jacob Toppin. I'm all Toppin. for Obscure Brothers. Yeah, Obscure Brother. <laughs> yeah. Let's go, Obscure Brothers. Skills Challenge. We have Team Top Picks, Team All-Stars, Team Pacers. Team Top Picks is uh, with Paolo Boncaro, Anthony Edwards, and Victor Wimanyama's favorite at a plus 125. Uh, I think that I would I think that I would go with them. I think that's that's probably the best. Really, really fun. Um, and then three-point contest. You want to guess who the favorite is, Al, on BetMGM? Um, Dame? Dame is favored to repeat, plus 360. Uh, Malik Beasley and Tyrese Halliburton are next at plus 500. 
Trey Young plus 550, Markinen plus 650, as well as Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell plus 700, and then the best shooting big man of all time is last in <laughs> in betting odds, Carl Anthony Towns plus 800. Uh, I'm very intrigued hmm. to see this. I was talking to Fred Katz earlier today uh, for his podcast called Cats and Shoot, and Jalen Brunson has been putting in some time, like really practicing this. So I'm gonna really I'm, I'm gonna okay. give it I'm gonna give it to Jalen Brunson. I'm excited to see that. Uh, and then the Rising Stars, which is tonight. If you're listening to this on Friday, uh, the Rising Stars tournament is tonight with Team Pow and Jamie Jacquez as the favorite. In the tournament, plus 125. I don't even know how like they really decide this. <laughs> team Tamika, Tamika Catchings, uh, team plus 225. Team Jalen, Jalen Rose, plus 300. And then Team Detlef, which is the the G League, plus 800. So um, I'm going to go Team Jalen on this one. You have any any favorites here? Uh, No, I do not at all. I can't believe it's already tonight. Yeah, it doesn't feel just because there were games just last it snuck night. Snuck up on us. Oh this my whole gosh. thing just really snuck up on us. All Star Weekend is here. It's very, it, very yeah. Exciting. It feels like it's, it should be next week. I'm not even ready. I'm not prepared, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have to get ready all today. <laughs> oh, get so many things to do. Everybody, get ready to watch Jamie Jack was in the uh, the Rising Stars tournament. Well, Al, we're at the All Star break right now, and I thought it'd be kind of fun to take a look at where the teams were that were in the conference finals last year, where were they at the all-star break? What were we thinking about them at the all-star break? So uh, first I just want to go through the top 10 in net rating this year and last year, and then we'll talk about those teams. So top 10 in net rating this year, Celtics, Thunder, Wolves, Cavs, Clippers, Knicks, 76ers, Pelicans, Nuggets, and Suns are in the top 10 this year. And then last year, Celtics at the top again with the, Cavs, who are in the top five this year, Nuggets, Sixers, um, Grizzlies last year, Bucks, Kings, Knicks, Nets, and Thunder are were in the top ten last year. I was looking so looking at the Celtics. The Celtics had were first in net rating with a plus six point two, which is lower than like the top three in net rating this year. They're a plus ten this season, which is mm. kind of kind of wild. Like like they're much much better. Then they were fourth in defense, third in offense, were a very, very good team. Uh, the Nuggets, heading into the All-Star break last year, were third in net rating. Very, very good. 13th in defense, which we kind of knew, but first in offense with a 117.6. Very, very good teams. Fit the profile of a team that we could imagine in the conference finals. Then you got these wacky teams, the Heat. The Heat were 20th in net rating heading into the All-Star break. A minus 0.1. Fifth in defense, very good at 111.2, but 26th in offense heading into the All-Star break. And you thought, maybe they got better as the season went on. No, no. The Heat finished 21st in net rating, ninth in defense. Their defense got worse. And 25th in offense. That's the team that made it to the conference finals. No sign whatsoever within those team ratings of an NBA conference finalists, let alone a team that made it to the NBA Finals last year. I don't know what to do with it. I have no clue what to do with that information. You don't do you throw it out, Andrew. You don't if if you're a team and you, you're you're where the Heat were last year, it doesn't mean anything. You're not good. That's what it means. You're not the Heat. I promise. It's not gonna happen to you. Yeah. Just throw it out. Yeah. They're I mean, an aberration. 
I mean, the, the Heat themselves are an absolute aberration. Yeah, yeah, you can't... <laughs> you look at a team... I mean, the Heat, 20th... I mean, right now it's the Chicago Bulls, 20th. You know, they finished 21st. <laughs> that's the Brooklyn Nets. Like, those are the yeah, kinds of teams yeah. that we're talking about. That, that That's what the Heat looked like going into the All-Star break last year. It's just insane. And then the Lakers, 24th in net rating at the All-Star break. 24th in net rating. You know who's 24th in net rating right now? Uh, give me the, uh, give me, let me, let me, uh, the Hornets. It's the Toronto Raptors. Oh, okay. Can you imagine any scenario whatsoever where the Toronto Raptors wind up in the conference finals? <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. Unbelievable. I tried for a split second. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. They were 18th in defense at a 113.9 and 20th in offense at a 113. They did finish. They did finish strong. 16th in net rating, 12th in defense, 19th in offense. So it did get better for them as the season went on. Uh but still, I mean, even 16th in net rating, that's the Houston Rockets, you know, right now. Yeah. So it's just, it goes to show that, like, one, that stuff does matter. When you look at the Celtics and Nuggets, it absolutely mattered. But also, like, star power and just, like, the sheer will of players like Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, players like that also still matters. And it also shows the parity of the league. You know, you can be a play-in team. Those are both play-in teams that made it to the conference finals. And you look up and down, particularly the West, I would still be pretty shocked if it happened in the East. But you look up and down the West, I mean, it would not be shocking to see a team in the West come make it from the play-in all the way to the conference finals again. I mean, currently, if you look at the standings right now, the play-in teams, Dallas, Sacramento, Lakers, Warriors... I mean, the kind of talent that's there, it would not be shocking to see any of those teams beat the top four teams in the West. Timberwolves, Thunder, Clippers, Nuggets. I mean, the Nuggets, I would be I would be shocked if the Nuggets got beat in the first round. But, like, Clippers could happen just through injuries. Thunder haven't played a playoff game yet together. Timberwolves, you know, would it be shocking if the the Lakers beat them in round one or if the Warriors beat them in round one. I mean, I, I don't think people would be completely shocked by that. So, I mean, some of this is parody certainly, but some of it is like the greatness of Jimmy Butler and LeBron James uh, were on full display last year. And uh, it didn't really matter the quality of their team. I think it's just, yeah, LeBron, crazy. especially because I mean, this has been a pattern through his career where if you look at the season long stats for some of his teams, you were like, it doesn't make any sense yeah, that some, they would have made it to the finals yes. year after year after year. Yeah, some of those Cavs so, You know, teams. he had teams yeah. that were terrible defensively mm-hmm. and then just popped up in the finals. Like, it happens again and again with his team. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to happen this year because they didn't have some major trade at the deadline. Right. And so they're going to have to figure it out with what they've got, which they did against the Jazz. Very impressive. Yeah. Win. Also, the Jazz are dialing it back, too. So, no Fontecchio. No Fontecchio. All right, Andrew, uh, for my segment this week, I wanted to talk about starting lineups um, because I was on Twitter, uh, as I am, and uh, Shemit Dua, who does the In the Know podcast, the New Orleans Pelicans podcast, mm-hmm. he also has a free Substack newsletter that is very good. Hmm. You should go sign up. He was tweeting about the Pelicans starting lineup, which has not been good, and it got me thinking about starting lineups again because, as you know, Andrew, uh, as Thunder fans, OKC's starting lineup has been a 
uh, topic of conversation yeah. this season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, especially with how teams are now guarding Josh Giddy. Mm-hmm. And while the net rating for those starters has been solid, I have been thinking about how much playoff success you can have when your starters are not a great unit. And the Pelicans are actually the perfect team to ask this question about. Because per cleaning glass, the Pelicans starters threw 749 possessions together, which is the 11th most played lineup in the league, have a negative 2.8 net rating. And to mm-hmm. put that into context, the Wizards, we're familiar with them? Mm-hmm. We, we know mm-hmm. what they've been up to this season? Mm-hmm. Their starters prior to the deadline, which was Tyus Jones, Jordan Poole, Denny Abia, Kyle Kuzma, Daniel Gafford, they had a minus 1.9 net rating. Wow. In over 1,200 possessions. That's still the second most played lineup in the league, incredibly. <laughs> That's how bad the Pels have been. And in case you're not up to date on the Pels, we're talking about CJ, BI, Herb, Zion, and Valanchunas, a minus 2.8 net rating. It is a lineup that has been unspectacular offensively while also being below average defensively. They don't generate a ton of turnovers. They let teams get to the line. Teams shoot 71.8% at the rim against that starting lineup. And they shoot pretty they shoot well at pretty much everywhere else on the court, too. Uh, it's not a good lineup. And yet, the Pels are 33 and 22. Their best record in over a decade. They're the sixth seed. They've won three in a row. They've won seven of their last eight. On the one hand, everything seems to be going great. And yet it's hard not to look at that starting lineup and wonder how far a team can really go when the starters are that bad. And so I went back 20 years, Andrew, looking through every team that made the conference finals in either conference mm-hmm. to see if I could find any teams that experienced playoff success while having so little success from their starters mm. during the regular season. Wow. Now, there's no easy way to do this. Uh, <laughs> there actually is, and I did it, which is going to NBA.com and filtering by starters. Yeah. But that gives you a collective net rating for all the starting lineups that played for a team in a season. It's right. not perfect because it's not one specific lineup, uh-huh. but it does give you a general idea of how the starters did for a team. So... Looking at teams that actually won a championship, is it seems clear that having strong production from your starters in the regular season is a must. Of the 20 champions over that 20-year span, eight of them had the number one net rating for starters in the regular season. Wow. Another 10 had a top five net rating for starters in the regular season. Hmm. There were really only two outliers, and one was the 2022 Warriors, whose starters had the seventh best net rating, and the 2011 Mavs, whose starters were ninth. Now, both of those teams played a decent number of starting lineups in the regular season, either due to injury or other reasons. The Warriors playing 25, the Mavs playing 22. I was actually looking back at the Mavs starters that season, and it completely escaped my memory that during their championship season, Rodrigue Beauvoir started 26 of their final 28 games. Wow. Did not remember that at all. Then he sprains his ankle, I believe in the final game, and then didn't play a second in the playoffs. The year they won the championship. (laughs) So if the Pelicans have real championship aspirations, it seems like their starters issues are probably not going to let that happen. But listen, if the Pelicans made the conference finals, that'd be a huge success. So let's look at those teams. And the good news here is that we've had plenty of teams whose starters were terrible in the regular season, suddenly show up in the playoffs and start winning games. Just last year, as you mentioned earlier, we had Miami and the Lakers. Mm -hmm. Those two Cooper teams. They made the conference finals despite their starters barely being positive in the regular season. The 2018 Cavs uh, are another one. They had a plus .1 net rating 
as further starters in the regular season, they still made the final. So it does happen. The problem is that a lot of these teams dealt with serious injuries. Like the Heat played 26 starting lineups last season. The Lakers played 39 starting lineups last season. The 2018 Cavs played 30. You can't really say that for the Pelicans. Their main starting lineup has played in 31 games. Like I said, 11th most played lineup in the league. Mm -hmm. This isn't a team being forced to play 30 different starting lineups. They've actually gotten a really good look at this one, and it just hasn't been good. Okay, but like I said, that was by filtering by starters, which includes every starting lineup for a team over the course of the season. What about just looking at the most played lineup for every conference final team over the last 20 years, whether it's a starting lineup or otherwise? Because this starting lineup, as I said, is definitely the most played lineup for the Pels. They've played over 600 more minutes than the second most played Pelicans lineup. And as a reminder, minus 2.8 net rating. Among teams that have made the finals over the last 20 seasons, we have never had a team whose most played lineup during the regular season was a negative. Okay, Hmm. It's never happened. The closest we came, and this should be included in LeBron's GOAT argument, is that the most played lineup for the 2007 Cavs had a plus 0.2 net rating. (laughs) And he still somehow got that team to an NBA Finals. The team was not good. Um, I do have some good news, though, for Pelicans fans. Among teams that just made the Conference Finals over the last 20 years, we actually do have several examples of teams having huge playoff success, you know, making it all the way to the Conference Finals, despite their most played lineup in the regular season being a negative. So, for instance, by the way, could you guess what team would you guess that has made the Conference Finals in the last 20 years had a really terrible net rating for their most played lineup? I mean, I guess the Heat or a Cavs team, some LeBron team. Uh... All those were wrong, Andrew. The I was thinking of the 2021 Atlanta Hawks, oh. whose most played lineup, which was Trey, Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, John Collins, Clint Capella, minus 5.3 Seriously? in the regular season. A terrible lineup. Wow. Uh, 2016 Toronto Raptors, who made the mm-hmm. conference finals, Lowry, DeRozan, James Johnson, Luis Scola, and, oh, Jonas Valanciunas again, mm-hmm. minus 3.1. Wow. There we, there we got another Jonas team. Mm-hmm. Very similar negative net rating, made mm-hmm. the conference finals. Mm-hmm. And then uh, two that are uh, near and dear to my heart. First, the 08-09 Denver Nuggets, just a team I, I loved. Mm-hmm. They were a minus 0.6, so not terrible. But Chauncey Billups, Dante Jones, Mello, Kmart, and Nene. And then the 2010-2011 Oklahoma City Thunder. When they made the conference finals and lost to the eventual champions, Dallas Mavericks, who I was talking about earlier, their most played lineup was a negative on Seriously? the floor. Westbrook, Tabo, KD, Jeff Green, and Crispy, Nanad Kristich. Yeah. That, te- that, that lineup was a negative. The only other one wow. I could find was the 2007 Detroit Pistons most played lineup. Now, this is the year after Ben Wallace left. He went to Chicago. Do you remember who they replaced Ben Wallace with? Because I had forgotten this from my memory. Mm-mm. They were, they traded for some... Actually, they didn't trade for him. He was waived by another team. And they picked him up, and he started the final 42 games of the season. It was Chris Webber. I just have no memory oh. of Chris Webber being the fifth guy yeah. in those Pistons lineups. Yeah, I do kind of but those lineups, which basically like the championship four guys from the Pistons plus Chris Webber instead of Ben Wallace, minus 2.5. Mm. So there is some... 
hit, hit, you know, historical precedent for a team whose most played lineup during the regular season being a negative and then having a lot of playoff success. So my takeaway from all this is that the Pelicans starting lineup being bad isn't a death knell for their playoff chances, but you'd sure like to see if they could figure something out in this next stretch before the playoffs. <laughs> and yet I'm looking at it and like, what do you really do? Because CJ, BI, and Zion, they feel locked in, right? You're not bringing any of those guys off the bench. No, no, right? no, 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 no. Okay. No, no, no. And if you know you're playing with those three, it's hard not to want some defense. And so Herb Jones makes the most sense. Like, mm-hmm. do you really want to face OKC or the Clippers without Herb Jones in the starting lineup? Mm-mm. Not really. So that leaves you with Jonas Valanciunas at center. But like, what are your other options, really? Larry Nance Jr., he started one game since coming to New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Uh, Zion has played sparingly at center. I look at this starting lineup, and I don't exactly see what the obvious fix is with their current roster. You know, they did have some success when CJ was out playing Dyson Daniels with the starters. But now he's out for at least a month. He has a meniscus injury. So I don't know. I almost just feel like this... This roster ha- or this lineup just has to figure it out. Like in, I think it was like twenty or it was it was uh, two hundred fifty minutes or two hundred fifty possessions last season. The same starting lineup was very good. Now that wasn't you know that was a third of the possessions that they played this season. But you just think like they have to figure something out because I don't see an obvious replacement for someone swapping in on the rest of the roster. Yeah. You know, in retrospect, maybe it would have made sense to get some kind of uh, other big man to come in and help out, but and 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 I know that they were like interested in Jared Allen, although that, you know, but by that point the Cavs were playing amazing, that was never going to be a thing. Um, but maybe is that is the fix long term to find someone to replace Valanciunas because I if you're going to have CJ BI and Zion on this team like they're probably going to be playing and because of their defensive deficiencies you're probably going to want Herb Jones out there and so that really just leaves the center position. Um so yeah so that that was I was just wanting to see with with the Pelicans starting lineup. They're the most interesting one. I mean Dallas also has a negative most played unit but they also just made a ton of changes. So I don't want to take too much away from that yet because they've been starting Gafford. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I, I just find the Pelicans to be so interesting because they're having a good season. Their record is good. Yeah. They're a good team. And yet, thinking ahead to the playoffs, like on the one hand, they absolutely could beat any team in the first round. Yeah. But I still don't know exactly how scared to be of them. And maybe that's just like a Zion thing. Like he hasn't necessarily been playing like a superstar this season. Yeah. It's and true. until he does that, maybe this team big picture doesn't really matter you know in terms of like their their what what you can expect from them in the playoffs maybe that's what this starting lineup needs you need zion to make like a second half of the season jump for all of this to really matter mm-hmm. yeah i wonder if you could and that you wouldn't start this lineup but i wonder if you could just go really big and sit cj and put trey murphy in for him because they're running a lot more stuff through zion lately yeah it's like a lot of point zion and then you just have these like three gigantic wings with Jonas out there. Yeah. Like to me, like that's something that makes sense because you get kind of the same spacing with CJ and then defensively to swap Trey and CJ. So more size. Like, you're just yeah. a lot bigger. But, you know, then you'd have to, Herb Jones would be point of attack. And then you have those other two. I wonder if, if there's something there with that. But yeah, there's not some great immediate fix at the center position because you can't really play Zion or BI at center. I guess you could 
you could probably put Herb Jones on a center, but that really takes away the point of attack defender. Yeah, it's it's kind of wonky the way that this the lineup is constructed and they have a lot to figure out. And there was an Eastern Conference executive that said that they're gonna have to decide between BI and Zion this summer. Now we'll see if that's actually true or not. I yeah. kind of doubt that is actually true. That they could they can make, you know, different kinds of changes other than those two. But you know, they are I think there will be an inflection point on this roster relatively soon, especially if they go out in round one. Yeah, I agree. All right. Let's talk about a team that has figured out their starting lineup and has figured out a lot of things this season. We're talking about the Minnesota Timberwolves right after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City, with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. All right, Andrew, it is time for the Wheel of Fandom, our weekly segment where we spin a wheel, it lands on a team, and we become fans of that team for the next week. Now, because of the trade deadline, we've been following this team for two weeks. Because two weeks ago, the wheel landed on the number one team in the Western Conference, the Minnesota Timberwolves. And over these last two weeks, the Wolves have gone 5-2, and two, including a massive 121-100 to 100 road win over the Clippers. The Wolves are now 39-16, and 16, number one in the West, with the first-ranked defense and 15th-ranked offense per clean the glass. Andrew, if our favorite team is the Wolves, who is our guest? We've got Dane Moore, host of the Dane Moore NBA podcast. Dane, what's up, man? 
What's up, guys? How are you doing? It has been the, the Wolves were not in first place last time I was the <laughs> random fan spin the wheel team. I know that much. Um, this is different. Definitely not. This is a this is interesting interesting feelings coming from Minnesota these days. Uh, and Oklahoma City, man, it's the and same. And OKC, you know? it's true. It feel we feel a little awkward there at the top of the Western Conference yes. for sure. Uh, like the imposter syndrome, you know. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what do I do? What do I do with 100%. my hands? Yeah, it's a lot of that. Hundred <laughs> percent. Let's start big picture. We are gonna. Um, the wolves weren't looking great last year. Uh, the Go Bear experiment looked like a failure. Everyone was talking about how big of a mistake that trade was. But a year later, the wolves are number one in the West with a big, with the best defense in the league. How surprising has this wolf season been, given how things looked last year? Yeah, extremely. I, I think uh, externally, outside of the team, I, and myself included, and, and those of us who who cover this team, I will say, like, annoyingly not surprising for the Wolves uh, internally hmm. and the the front office. And there was, you know, through the summer, talking to people or the end of last season, there there really was like a a belief. Kind of the point where you're like, uh oh, like they they still believe in this, mm-hmm. you know, um, the kind of saving the move to some extent. But I think they really had a vision for what this could be once it coalesced a little bit more. And once a couple of pieces were out, new pieces were in. Uh, obviously, the main one kind of being Mike Conley for, for D'Angelo Russell. I think just like on a national stage, people still don't understand how much. Mike Conley means to all of this, even today, day to day, like when the wolves fall apart, every time the wolves have fallen apart, Mike Conley is on the bench or, you know, not impacting the game there. He is as important to this as anybody. So I say that to me and like, I think a lot of us who Rudy Gobert was new to us. It's our first 40, 50 games watching him. And we were like, "Uh Oh, um, this isn't good. And it was really that he was, wasn't good within the context of that roster that didn't know how to play with him uh, and so forth. So you bring Mike Conley in, you, you, you have a couple other players who learn to play with him over time. And yeah, you, you have to do that with the Rudy Gobert team, right? Like you need to, your team plays Rudy Gobert way. And mm-hmm. they, they have embraced that over time. And the other two stars have kind of learned that along the way too. And, in, in cat and Ant. So everyone knows about the Wolves' defense, which has consistently been at the top of the league uh, yep. this entire season. Their offense, on the other hand, has been consistently mediocre until these last two weeks. Yeah. So according to Cleaning the Glass, over the last two weeks, the Wolves have the is it the fourth best? I'm checking it right now because I realized it I was third before the game last night. But yeah, I I've been doing the same thing because they haven't. I actually went and looked at all the two week segments of the season. Oh really? And uh, yesterday before the game. And the highest they'd ever been in any two weeks offensively was 11. It was like so much, okay. like 12 to 19 to whatever. Mm-hmm. So, because I've been this, all year, I've been thinking about, well, this doesn't matter. Like the number one defense doesn't matter if you're going to be 19th on offense. It just, yeah, yeah, it just doesn't, given the aspirations that they've said they've had, you know, about being a, you know, winning a championship and, and contending. So it's been, which I think you're getting to, it's been the, the looming question all year is, one, can this offense get better? And two, how does it do that? And turnovers are the are the main thing, which you know, Al, we we talked okay. about a, a few weeks back. That's improving. Yeah, I was gonna ask, like, what do you feel like has contributed to that recent offensive success? And does it feel sustainable? 
ball movement. Um, it was really interesting. The first game of the season, they went to Toronto. And after like the preseason, they looked awesome as it, Finch had just been preaching ball movement, ball movement, ball movement. And then they go to Toronto in the first game and Ant takes like 16 shots in the first quarter and Carl isolates in the second quarter. And Finch was just like, we just stopped passing the ball, you know, mm-hmm. well, as soon as the, the season started. And that's what this team does. Oftentimes, once adversity hits is it just it it gets the classic sticky, right? It's like, all right, now Carl's at the top with 11 seconds on the shot clock, head down barrel to the basket and, you know, trying to attack through gap help and everything and just forcing up bad sort of shots there. So it's it's ball movement that inspires better shot selection and avoids turnovers. It's 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 the biggest thing with this team because they're not just like they're not your Utah Jazz where it's just high spread pick and roll. That's not mm-hmm. how Finch wants to play. So you just it, it needs to be early intention in the offense to move the ball. And you see that in different pockets of time. But this is the literally the first time all season where it's been like, all right, like two, three weeks. This is what it can look like. So they're they're like the vibes are high, as they say right now. Right. Like it's the first time in that locker room in Minnesota, maybe even in Finch's mind. that He's like, okay, maybe we maybe we can play offense at a top 10, top five level because they haven't done it all year. So it's been a week since the deadline. The Wolves made a deal with Detroit, sending the Pistons a 2027 second round pick for point guard Monte Morris. He's been averaging around 15 minutes per game since the trade. What have been your early impressions of Morris, and where do you think he could be most impactful? Yeah, the, the line is 48 minutes of Mike Conley. Like, that that's the yeah. Yeah. Um and And Mike, you know, particularly during the regular season, is going to be more like 28 or something like that. So it's those minutes were an adventure. You know, when, when Mike was off the floor – It'd be like point ant sometimes. It would be Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who's really more of like a 3 and D2. Kyle Anderson played a bunch of point guard. Jordan McLaughlin was kind of the backup point guard, but, mm-hmm. you know, he's more of a third, you know, a third point guard or a backup point guard on a, a lesser team. So it was, uh, it, was a, it was a pretty glaring, it was the glaring hole, like positionally on, on this team. Now, I don't know, from, from these three games... I have nothing to be wowed about with with what I've seen from Monte, but I, I like the idea of it, um, particularly from the turnover frequency standpoint. Like, they're still 28th in turnovers right now, so they are just. I it sounds weird to compare the Monte Morris trade to the Rudy Gobert trade, but but here we are. <laughs> um, like the Wolves, right? They lose to the Grizzlies um, in the playoffs two years ago, and they're just. The Wolves are the worst defensive rebounding team and the worst rim protection team in the league. It's obviously, that's that's what they're bad at all year. That's why they lost that Grizzly series. So they go like, Rudy Gobert, that's the guy who's the best at those two things. Bring him in as a, you know, medicine to ail our most obvious weakness. I think the Monte Morris trade is like the same thing. You just looked at this season, 50 games, and you're like, turnovers are the biggest thing here. Monte Morris has been like top two in assist to turnover ratio for like six years in a row. So that that's the idea behind that move there. But I don't, he's the ninth man. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty clear. Nikhil Alexander Walker, Nas Reed and Kyle Anderson are uh, ahead of him in the pecking order, at, at least for now. But 
it's just basically Mike Conley insurance and, and they need it. And that's like that, not to diminish that they really need Mike Conley insurance. So I mentioned in the intro that the wolves got a statement win this week against the Clippers in LA. Uh, I was on your pod a few weeks ago talking about a potential wolves thunder matchup in the playoffs, what that would look like. So I'm interested yeah. in how you see the wolves Clippers matchup. Like are there specific reasons why you think the wolves have had success against Clippers so far? They've won two games against them. Do you think that could translate to a playoff series? It's really interesting. I'm actually curious to hear like your guys' thoughts on this too, because the three biggest like isolation -y type of teams are, let's say the top two are Boston, the, or the Celtics and the Clippers, right? And they just kind of want to drive and kick you to death, but it they're a little less about the kick part than the Thunder are. That's what I was going to bring as in yeah. as the third team, but the Wolves have been really good against the Celtics and Clippers this year. They just like they got a lot of guys who can de defend in isolation, you know? Mm -hmm. Whereas for most other teams out there, like if it is Harden, George, and Kawhi out there, you know, you don't have maybe three guys who can guard them at a time. And the Wolves are pretty deep in in perimeter defenders. It's not just Jaden McDaniels, Nikhil Alexander Walker. I mean like he's getting a little like Alex Caruso-y a couple years ago to me. Um, Kyle Anderson's a really good perimeter defender. Mike Conley can hold his own. And Ant, like if you get him in just like a guard this guy situation, yeah. an isolation situation, Ant can do that. Like that's that's five really good perimeter defenders. Or I don't really good, good to really good. Yeah. And then Rudy Gobert in the back line. That's good for a important against a team that just wants to isolate as much as the Clippers and Celtics do. And the Wolves beat the Celtics, the, the Celtics first loss of the season, like November or whatever. And then they, they went like played without Gobert and Conley and still almost beat the Celtics in Boston earlier. And they beaten the Clippers twice and they beaten the Thunder twice. Like there's something, uh, the Thunder one feels a little bit different to me, but the Wolves have a confidence in their ability to defend in straight isolation and I don't know. It seems to me like a matchup that the Clippers should be able to win. But yeah. if you're able to kind of shut down some of that isolation, point of attack, like that, that that's what's defined it in the regular season. I don't know what Ty Lue like has in his bag if that's a playoff series, but it hasn't really been close, like in either Wolves Clippers game thus far. Well, I wanted to ask you about one other thing because I was listening to your most recent pod and you brought up something which I feel like has gone under the radar nationally, which is that when teams is like the Clippers try to go small, because that, that was always the thought, like if Gobert's out there in the playoffs, you're just going to go small on them and that'll mm -hmm. solve all of your problems. You know, um, you feel like yeah. that really isn't a great option for other teams at this point. Like the Wolves have kind of figured that out, which I don't really I don't think people nationally have realized that yet. No. Well, I mean the and okay so to be fair i was in two years ago i was in the same boat like oh rudy gobert like gets exposed in the playoffs played off the floor whatever mm -hmm. we just like buy into some of these thoughts and you see enough of it but i'm just telling you if you watch rudy gobert play every night you have no concerns about him defensively playoff series whatever i've seen him defend a hundred possessions in space get a switch i think rudy gobert is the best isolation defender on the timberwolves I think it better than Jaden McDaniels. Hmm. Like, if you go like, all right, Shea is going to just going to run four low, attack in isolation. The number one person, the Wolves, I would want the Wolves to have guarding Shea right there 
is Rudy Gobert. And the narrative, right, is that, oh my God, if you do that, Rudy Gobert needs to like go back to the locker room. And it's just, (laughs) that is not the case. It's just not. And I'd say that to be like hand raised. I thought that's what it was before. But if you watch it all the time, that's not the issue. Like, honestly, I think the team I'm most scared of the Wolves playing in the playoffs is the Pelicans. I would go big against the Wolves. Go big and go physical. Like, Carl and Rudy are tall. Jaden is tall and long. They're not, like, strong. They're not, like, the forceful big team. Who's going to guard Zion? Like, I, I don't know. I It hasn't really been a problem when teams yeah. have gone small against the Wolves. The Clippers kind of in the first game. Maybe if you start the game with it, like, it's tricky. But from a Rudy Gobert in particular standpoint, that's not the issue. It's cat that you would be worried about. All right, now they're going small. Does cat need to go guard Paul George? It's totally yeah. that is the number one thing defensively is how does who does cat have to guard? The Rudy part's fine, man. The Terrence Mann stuff happened because nobody on the Jazz could guard again in isolation right there. Like, right, right, right. Yeah. Again, I didn't know that, but you go back and watch those games. It's like, yeah, that that's just what happened. And we decided something else happened. And it's not true. Hmm. So while it's been a really good two weeks for the Wolves, two of their three losses came after losing leads in the fourth quarter, which has been somewhat of a theme for the Wolves and their losses this season. What have, Total been, theme. what have been the main issues for them in end of game play? It's it's really where the you know the bad tendencies creep in, those the the turnovers and the Ant and Carl, you know, kind of playing immature basketball. I, I think that's just the, the biggest thing. And it's trying to, you know, the, the Wolves don't have a often play one or two non-shooters on the floor at a time. So in the fourth quarter, like teams are just packing it in and they're just like gap help every single play on Carl or Ant at the top. Also bring low man help. So now it's like if you're Ant and he can beat kind of anybody one-on-one, but now he's got to navigate the second guy, right? And the third guy at the rim, like I'm, that's mm. just not, that's not going to work. And he tries to, and then the third guy ends up being like Jared Allen or something. And he's got to kick it out. And it's like, okay, that pass was intercepted. I mean, if you watch every one of those, it's just terrible turnovers. And I mean, it looks like watching the Hornets or something. It's those games have been so bad when they, when they get in those situations. And I don't know, some of that starting to improve. I think they put in some structural pieces in place to kind of know how to, navigate that um, a little bit better, some just go-to actions. But at the end of the day, what it's going to come down to is maturity. And even like last night, they win They win in Portland by 37 uh, last night at Moda Center. And by like the beginning of the third quarter, it's down to 10. They just, you know, like the, 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 this team is still super young. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and I don't even know. I don't even mean that like, oh, the average age thing. Like mm-hmm. the important players – haven't done it, you know, like Anthony Edwards, Jade McDaniels, and Carl Anthony Towns haven't done it. And this team goes so much as they go. So I don't know. Um, it's getting better though. But but you would have talked like to me a month or two ago. I've been like, yeah, well, this is just they can't figure out late game offense. So I don't know. I don't even know how they're gonna win one series. It's getting a little bit better, but if you want to pick against the wolves in the playoffs. That's probably your best your best place to start. The best argument you have is they just fumble it there. Hmm. 
Well, Dane, thank you for answering all of our Wolves questions, but it is now time to play Andrew versus the Beat Wolves edition. Now, uh, Dane, oh, God, I forgot about this. <laughs> yeah, uh, our challenger this week, Dane Moore, host of the Dane Moore NBA podcast, uh, come up with eight questions all about the Wolves. You're going to give me a number between one and eight. Some are easy, some are hard. If you get it right, you'll get at least two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one, and we'll go back and forth. So all the questions have been asked and answered. So to start us off, Dane, I just need a number between one and eight. I'll do seven. Question number seven. Rudy Gobert has a free throw attempt rate of 0.65, meaning that for every 100 field goal attempts, Gobert attempts 65 free throws. Among players who have played at least 1,000 minutes this season, only one other player in the league has a free throw attempt rate higher than 0.6. Who is it? Just in it's an NBA player, it's not a Wolves player. Uh, it's just an NBA player. Over a thousand minutes, super high free throw attempt rate. I mean, it's just Gobert and this guy who get to the line. That is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. Embiid, that is also incorrect. Would you believe it is? Jimmy Butler. Oh, Jimmy Butler. Yeah, we, we could have gone back and on that for a while. Wait. Former Wolf. Every answer needs to be Wolves adjacent. <laughs> uh, actually, they might be. Yes. Actually, I think they are. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Andrew. Number one. Question number one. So glad you picked this one, Andrew. Just in case Dane already knows this. Which of the following is not a basketball reference official nickname mm. for one of the Wolves? Okay. So I'm going to give you five nicknames. Okay. Four of them appear on Basketball Reference. One does not. Okay. You will tell me the fake one. Here we go. Bite, bite, seatbelt, sunscreen, popsicle, lawnmower. Once oh again. Oh my gosh. And let me say this up is front. A we- this is we do, you do this a lot. This is the weirdest list. I know ever. the answer. The, the weirdest part is I know the answer. Well, let me say, Andrew, uh, I do this every week with the nicknames. The Wolves have by far the best set of nicknames I've ever seen. They are so bizarre. Okay, so once again, Bite Bite, bite Seat bite, Belt, seat Sunscreen, Popsicle, <laughs> Lawnmower. Bite Bite. I could give you the where every one of those nicknames came from. Oh, really? Really? Wow. I, Origin I, yes. story. A lot of pressure, you know, Andrew. cover a bad team for a while. You got to make up some stories. Golly, who is? I think I made up one of the nicknames on there. Actually, really? Oh, oh wow! Really? Wow, that's an yeah. honor. Who would sunscreen be? <laughs> I like how you say that. Like you. Oh well, I know who lawnmower would be. That's <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't know who any of these would be. I'll say, I'll say sunscreen. I just don't have any idea. Andrew, that is absolutely correct. Yes, congratulations. <laughs> I am so. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have very I learned, happy. I learned uh, yesterday, or no, Tuesday at the, the game that Nikhil Alexander-Walker is Popsicle. Popsicle. Yeah. Why is it skinny Popsicle? Legs, skinny legs. Actually, uh, Kyle Tige, who I work with, uh-huh. asked, we were sitting there, because it was a Wolves-Blazers game, and he was like, did you know that Nikhil's <laughs> nickname is Popsicle? So he asked him about it after the game. Yes. Skinny legs. I don't know. That's that's Popsicle. <laughs> bite, bite. Bite bite. Who's bite Anthony bite? Edwards? That's bite bite is Mike Conley, and Anthony Edwards just made it up one day in a post game, and he's just like, <laughs> I always call him bite bite, man. 
<laughs> and and Mike Conley's over here like goes, he's never once called me by <laughs> And now it's and now every it's on his basketball reference page. Like he just he just he goes and we're like, why do you call him bite bite? He goes, he just sits there, looks like he wants to bite somebody. <laughs> So that is that is the that is the origin story. Now there's like jerseys at Target Center that are like bite bite. Um, Mike Conley hit like a game ceiling three with like 15 seconds left a month ago, and the announcer Michael Grady was like bite bite good night or something like oh, that. It is absolutely that's, that's taken amazing. off. And then lawnmower that was the one that yeah. I think I helped. It's Josh Minot, which I wonder how many people listening to the show even know who josh minot uh is but he just referred to himself in a summer league post game media is like i'm like a lawnmower he just pulls a cord and i <laughs> and i just get going or something i don't even know but lawnmower we're like all right we're just gonna call you lawnmower there's like lawnmower like fan art out there is that all of them we, uh, we all seatbelt do you know seatbelt oh, seatbelt is uh jade mcdaniels They've just been trying to give him like a. I don't like that one. Like lock That's him just up like trying to give thing. him. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's very like easy to get out slim. of a seatbelt. That's that's not a great nickname. It's yeah. it's it's well, just this, and you get it, out of a seatbelt. He maybe needs to stay seatbelt until he figures out his foul trouble issues because that's kind of oh, like the buckle. You know? I, mean, I, I, just made, I don't know if that's a, a, a thing now. But we're <laughs> well, when I was we're working was on that room. I, I saw I saw seatbelt and popsicle. I really like those. And so in my head, I'm already starting to think of like, what's just like a normal word. And I literally thought of lawnmower and then clicked on the next profile. No way. And it was so his nickname, funny. which made me laugh. Yes. And so then I had to go sunscreen. I, but also, I left off man man for Monty Morris, another good one. I wanted to come well, on. See, that I'm, not, I'm not really. Monte's new. I didn't even know that one. Uh, I know man. one of his is Count of Monte Assisto. Like a yes, slash turnover. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm telling you, the rolls off the tongue really well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. There's probably other good ones. I can't even think of it right now. Uh, that was oh, me. The, uh, uh, nickname question. Eight. Question number eight. Okay. The, okay. This is a hard one. You're excited. You've about picked the two hardest here. ones so far. <laughs> uh, Kyle Anderson averages over four assists per game. In less than 22 minutes per game, there are mm. only five players who can say the same. Name two. You do get one point per correct answer. So there's five of these guys out there in the league. You just got to name two of them, and you get one point per correct answer. So these are guys who don't play a ton of minutes, but they average over four assists per game. Is there like any sort of games threshold here? Um, How about TJ McConnell. So that, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking TJ McConnell, but go. I don't know if that that is an accurate one. one. That is okay. correct. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, there, there, there wasn't, but all these guys played significant minutes for their teams. There's no okay. random ones in there, I would say. Do you got one loaded up, Andrew? I have one guess. I don't know if it counts because it's it's only. I don't know. I I don't know if this one will count or not. But I, have I already guess. know what name you're going to say, Andrew. Does it count? Does it count? <laughs> <laughs> I I. I Give me like a conference. You go, Andrew. I, I, I'll, I'll keep thinking. Let's go back and forth. Do it back and forth. <laughs> well, I'll just say I'll just say the one that I think that I think is Vasilye Mitsich, who's like averaging like oh, that's a crazy cool. amount of assists in Charlotte. But does it count? Uh, it is incorrect. He was not on the list for whatever reason. 
He didn't show up on the stat head search. The reason is that he doesn't have force. (laughs) He definitely (laughs) does. That's what I'm assuming, but it sounds good. (laughs) He definitely does. Wait, what's the minute total again? 22. Uh, 22. He's averaging... Yeah, why isn't he? Oh, (laughs) Oh, it's got to be a wolf. Something's got to be wolves adjacent here. So, Oh, Andrew, he's at 2.8 for the season. That's why. Uh, That's true, Dane. But I still am struggling. <laughs> but he's averaging more than that for Charlotte. Yes. Yeah, he's averaging like six assists per game. Okay. Sure, All right. sure. I just want to make sure I'm not insane. Yeah. Oh, Tyus Jones. No, 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 no. Uh, he plays for 22 minutes. I was trying to think of a wolf. No. Thing. Other yep. names. We got a lot of jazz guys. One with a former Wolves connection, Chris Dunn, but also <laughs> uh, Kelly uh, Olinick, uh, Taylor okay. Horton Tucker. So there's three jazz. Taylor Horton Tucker. And then uh, Dennis Smith Jr. was the fifth one. Oh, weird. Yeah. yeah. But Dane did now get a point. It. So it is now two to one. Let's go. Andrew, the board is yours. Number two. Question number two. Whoever wins officially gets their nickname to be Sunscreen. I, I think. Sunscreen. <laughs> <laughs> I even felt, you know, screen, it's an NBA term. Maybe they'd fall for it. Yeah. Uh, the Timberwolves, defensive efficiency. Is ranked number one in the NBA. The best finish for a Timberwolves team prior to this season was the 03-04 season when they finished with the sixth best defense. It's not a surprise that KG led the team in total rebounds, total steals, total blocks. Who finished second in total blocks on that Wolves team? Oh my gosh. 03-04? <laughs> yeah, Andrew, what? Just call Only it 20 up. years ago, man. Come on. You know that was the last time the Wolves went past the first round of the playoffs. The only oh, time, man. actually, thirty-five wow. years. Yeah, was it? Was it the Candyman? Oh, Andrew, Michael it was Candy? Michael Olowokandi. Yes! Wow, Dude, this was that was my heyday of playing NBA video games. Like I, sure. I have that team, not the whole team, but like a lot of that burned into my mind. They had a bunch of weird things, like Irvin Johnson, Rasho yeah. Nesterovic, yeah, yeah, Cassell. Fred Hoiberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Troy Hudson. Yeah. Uh, Let's, he go. Was there. Let's go. You know. Name the whole yeah. team. Trenton Hassel is on the <laughs> team, I'm pretty sure. This is, this is, yeah. I thought you already said Hassel. Yeah, yeah. He started. Zerbiak. Yeah, Zerbiak. Uh, all right. Troy Hudson. I will just... I'll do six. Troy, Troy six. T-Hud, baby. Um, okay. There have been 22 two-man lineups for the Wolves that have played more than 500 minutes together. All are positive, but which one is the most positive with a plus 16.7 net rating? Name both players in that two-man lineup. You get one point per correct answer. Oh, God, I should just know this. Both players in that lineup. They have to have played a lot Um, because they're over 500 minutes together, and it's a two-man lineup plus 16.7. Hmm. Um, I know Nikhil is in a lot of the lineups, but I don't think it would be the a lot of the, I just Anthony Edwards and Rudy Gobert. Is that too obvious? That, that is incorrect. Damn. Uh, what about Con- what about Conley and Gobert? Okay, both of you should have started with Gobert because I would have been able to give you a point, but mm. you all you both put him second. He is part of the lineup. How do we know that was a rule? Because your first answer was wrong, so I have to count it wrong. That's how I it said works. Anthony Edwards and oh. Rudy Gobert. Anthony Edwards and Rudy Gobert. <laughs> <laughs> All 
I've already moved on. Once you said anything, Edwards. By Conley, okay, it's Rudy okay. Gobert. Okay. Okay. So Nas Reed. <laughs> Nas Reed. Oh, Nas Reed. Oh, Rudy Gobert, Nas Reed. Yeah, that makes Dude, sense. That's that's crazy, actually. I, can we talk about that for a second? I mean, that, that's yeah. an underrated story. Like, one Nas Reed played center the first four years of his career. Now plays yeah. like he totally moved to position two. There's all the cat moved. Like Nas and Rudy was. It was actually no. It was minus twelve point one last season. Really? Um, when when those two guys wow. played together. I remember because it was one of my like bold predictions or whatever when we did that. I was like, I think the Nas Reed and Rudy Gobert lineup will work really well. And that was like bold because everyone's like, those two should never play together. Wow. Um, but that is, that's, a, that's a big, that's a, well, I got, I think I had, I'm sure that's the only one I got right. Um, but <laughs> that's a, that is a big deal in all serious with this team of like Carl and Nas being able to like that's the Finch calls that like the barometer of the defense. How are our fours yeah. guarding there? And and Nas to be able to to do that at all, he like guards he guards guards all the time. Like mm-hmm. he'll guard Westbrook or I don't know. I'm trying to think of Thunder players, but <laughs> all the guards are guarded by Gobert when, mm-hmm. the, when the Wolves <laughs> play the Thunder. But yeah, that's a that's a that's an important one. I love Nas Reed. Uh, Andrew. Uh, third, three, 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 third, three. Okay, here we go. Monty <laughs> Morris's career high for a game is the same number as Mike Conley's career high in blocks for a season. What is that number? Now you get to choose who answers first, Andrew. What? Give me a sec. You can make Dane answer first. You go higher or lower, or you can answer first and Dane can go higher or lower. So it's a number. You're going to give me a number. And that number is Monty Morris's career high for a game. In his career, uh-huh. and Mike Conley's career high in blocks for a season. It's the same number, Andrew. It's just one number. Oh, okay. I understand. How this. did you figure this question out? This I is, just stumbled across it. This is insane. <laughs> it's the, I'm making the, it easier on the you. The Conley you portion of it makes me. Points. Yeah, well, I guess, but the Conley portion of it is making me making my brain hurt. Um, <laughs> he, had, he had three blocks on Tuesday night. Same. Don't help Andrew. That might help him. God, just cannot be that much for a whole season. Um, well, Monte Morris, Monte Morris probably season. didn't score that many points. What is it? I don't know. 26. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Dane, Andrew has set over. the bar at 26. Dane is going confidently over. Wow. Yeah. Do you know how many no, blocks uh, Mike Conley has had in his career? <laughs> no, the number I was thinking was 32. 32. Oh my gosh. Uh, the correct answer 24. Yes. 24. I'm losing. You are correct. Uh, you are losing. But there's <laughs> actually there's less than that left. There's he had questions. three blocks the other night. That must be, that's got to be a career high. That's an high, eighth of right? his career high. Yeah, I should see where he's at this season. Maybe he can uh, break his record. I know Rudy's going to break his record. He's actually going to break the franchise record for most dunks, which he set last season. I was trying to come up with a question oh wow how many dunks so Monte morris's career high is only 24 points in a game yeah only 24 he doesn't shoot that much yeah you think you are you worried about the pickup now (laughs) yeah (laughs) put jordan mclaughlin back in (laughs) (laughs) uh mike conley has 12 blocks on the season so he's halfway there he's gonna really have to step it up post all-star break he had three and he only has 12 for the whole season that's crazy um Okay, Dane, four or five? Well, I've been going in reverse order. This hasn't been going well. So I'll go four now. Four. Okay. Uh, both Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards 
have multiple 40-point games this season. There are five other teams that also have multiple 40-point games from multiple players. Name three of those teams. Philly. That is correct. Maxi and Embiid. Uh, Phoenix. That is also correct. KD Booker. I feel like Charlotte weirdly has. (laughs) Uh, I don't know why you felt that way. Uh, It is incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) I just remember Bridges. (laughs) Something snuck into your brain. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I've slept the night a lot. I need to go get on an airplane. Um, Uh, Andrew, would you like to uh, steal a point? Uh, Lakers? No. It is. Milwaukee, Damon Giannis. Oh, yeah, we should got that. Dallas, Luca and Kyrie. Yeah, and the Brooklyn Nets, Mikhail Bridges and Cam Thomas. Uh, All right. So that was like uh, my Charlotte. I was going to say, it's a little Charlotte y. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is true. That is a little Charlotte y. Thank you. Andrew. Um, we've been talking about Charlotte a lot. Um, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> uh, it's six to three. So, Dane, uh, I don't think you're going to be able to make it up here. But the final question, Andrew, you get first dibs. And this is a fun one. There are only four players in Wolves history to average at least two blocks per game for an entire season. One is Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. One is Kevin Garnett. Who are the other two? You get one point per correct answer. Andrew Lang technically did do it, but he did it in 20 games, so I didn't count him. All these guys played basically a full season. Hmm. So averaging at least two blocks per game for an two entire season. blocks per game for an entire season. Gosh, who would that be? Um, uh, you gonna tap into your video game knowledge again, Andrew? Well, I'm trying to. It's not. It's not working quite as well. <laughs> I don't know if this guy did it. I feel like he. There may have been like a season or two where he got close, but I don't think this guy did it. Um, Ooh. I don't want to say the name because then I'm locked in. Um. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know these rules. It's the only name that I can think of right now. Gorgi Jang? Gorgi Jang. Everybody loves Gorgi. Uh, no, Andrew, that is incorrect. Right. Dane, you could get two points here and uh, bring it to with, within one, which doesn't help you at all because it's the last question, but you would only hmm. lose by one point if you can get both of these names. Is Darko Milicic an answer? <gasps> yes, Mana oh. from Heaven, Darko Milicic. Wow. That's correct. Mana from the heaven. Mana from heaven. Wow. Another uh, foreign white dude? Uh, no. Asterovich? No. Damn. no Irvin was, Johnson? Uh, no. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> it was. <laughs> well, was it all of candy? <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it was him. also not him. Um, it was. He only played in the league for five seasons. His name is better known as the name oh, of an man. actor. It is Eddie Griffin. Eddie oh, Griffin. Yeah. Wow. Eddie Griffin. Go listen to the Day More NBA podcast. Uh, it's a great show. Legitimately a great show. Go subscribe on YouTube and go listen to it on Apple, Spotify, everywhere else. Dane, thanks so much for coming on. Gordon Hayward, baby. Let's go. Let's go, Gordon Hayward. God, I can't wait to watch a clip. I can't wait. It's going to be man. great. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks. All right, Andrew, that was two weeks of the Wolves. Now, the next team we pick 
this is All-Star Week, so we might only get one game from this team. Wow. So you could look at that a few different ways. Uh, if we're going to get a team like, uh, I don't know, Detroit, for instance, maybe this would be a good week. A blessing them, in disguise. You know? <laughs> maybe. Uh, so let's spin that wheel. See who the Wheel of Fandom team for this next week is going to be. It will be, okay, the San Antonio Spurs. You know, that's a great one because we're going to get to watch Wemby in the skills competition. Yeah, it's true. Uh, He's also going to be in the Rising Stars. Yeah. Great. He was at the Tech Summit uh, this morning with Adam Silver. I don't know if you saw any of this. I did see that. There's some weird stuff going on and cannot wait to talk about it. This team is actually a great one because they are a putrid team with one of the most exciting players in the NBA. And we will be watching their one game next week on Thursday night against the Sacramento Kings. That's at least a fun team for them to play. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. That's actually perfect. If I were to craft a San Antonio Spurs week, oh, this would be it. (laughs) That's very good. Uh, Thanks so much for listening to our show. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll read it on the show. Hope you guys enjoy All-Star Weekend, and we will talk to you guys again next Friday.